It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors face the media after their miserable end-of-season loss to the Bulls in the plane. We'll dig into the big takeaways from what the guys had to say. We'll talk about Fred Van Vliet in particular, his thoughts on the team's need for a new identity and how that might come about. Scotty Barnes, what's going on there with the summer to come for him? What will his role look like next year? Plus, Pascal Siakam's just got to be a Raptors lifer. I'm ready to say it now. We'll get into all of it coming up in just a second here. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1381 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, April the 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us on Instagram as well. Of course, we are on YouTube. Please go hit the big red subscribe button over there to support the show. And a huge shout out. I'd never do this, but a huge shout out to all of our everyday listeners of the podcast if you are an everyday listener of the pod i'm curious drop in the comments just say hey i'm an everydayer and uh then i will know that you are my best friend so thank you very much for uh tuning into the show every day and making us your first listen uh let's get into it shall we today we're going to dig into my big takeaways from the raptors end of season press conferences you don't often get a lot of stuff from these end of season things. You know, the guys are still kind of processing what happened the night before. Uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster didn't even speak. They'll probably speak next week, which is probably the one you're really going to want to tune in for. I mean, anytime Masai Ujiri speaks is appointment television. We'll have all that covered next week when it does go down. Um, but there was some stuff, I think, to pull from what the Raptors had to say after their loss to the Bulls in the play-in. Um, you know, we've had a couple of days to sit with it now. 
I still hate it, uh, but feeling a, a little bit less morose, I suppose, as we stare down the barrel of a DeMar Kyle game tonight. That should be fun. Either way, uh, let's get into the sort of big takeaways here from uh, the, the the pressers yesterday. I'm going to talk about Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam coming up in the second and third segments. I think Scotty's comments about his need for conditioning in the offseason and uh, Fred, one of Fred's clips uh, from the presser talking about Scotty, I thought was interesting. We'll play that coming up. Uh, but off the top, I want to dig into Fred Van Vliet. And one comment he had, which I thought was maybe the thing that I, I took away the most, and he kind of alluded to it again in one of the Scotty Barnes-related clips I'm going to play in the second segment. But let's just tune in now to hear what Fred Van Vliet had to say about the potential need for the Raptors to establish a new identity. I'll get into uh, my thoughts on it after we played here. Uh, I think we just got to find another identity, you know what I mean, whatever that is. And I think that um, the chaos and the freedom, you know, it worked when it worked. And I think that going forward, uh, just Pick, pick what we're going to do. Like, it's not really that complicated. You know what I mean? We lock into how how things are going to flow offensively. You know, obviously, we got a ton of talent for the breakdown situations. Defensively, I, I do like the system that we have in place. It needs to be executed at a higher clip. We need more reps and we need sharper. But I think for us, the devil's going to be in the details. And I think that, you know, we have to rep that and build that. Like, we can't try to do it by osmosis and, like, try to carry over a championship from four years ago and expect to add that to a group that we have now. Like, we got to build that every single day, starting as soon as we get back in the gym this summer. Like, you got to start building every single detail offensively and defensively. And, and then when you get down to a situation where you need to win a game, you know, like, those things show. And I think that that's, as a group, you know, for the players, that's that's my focus is, like, getting our habits back right and our details back right. And I think everything else will, will you know, fall in place accordingly after that. Habits and details. Uh, I think this is a really interesting, you know, everything Fred VanVleet says is interesting because he's one of the best quotes in, like, the recent history of the NBA. But I, I think... This one really stood out. And again, we'll get to another clip later on where he talked about Scotty Barnes and uh, the sort of need for like a regimented sort of uh, just like a, a clarity on who's got roles, what is the team doing, whose job is what. Um, and this all goes back to the whole Nick Nurse thing, right? You know, as much as I don't think you can blame Nick Nurse necessarily for the uh, the all over the place nature of the roster, the the lack of depth, the you know the, obviously the positional issues they had at the start of the season with no Yaka Pirtle and trying to make it work without the position that has historically been like the anchor position for basically every successful basketball team for the last 75 to 100 years. Uh, you know, that that stuff that wasn't on Nurse, right? That's the front office for, I think, incorrectly betting that they were going to get the internal development that they wanted to see from Precious Achua and even to some ex extent Scotty Barnes and on down the line. Um, you know, I, I think this is where I think a lot about Dwayne Casey when I think about Nick Nurse because these two dudes are total polar opposites in the way they operated, right? You know, Dwayne Casey's whole thing was habits, culture, pound the rock. He literally had a boulder in his office to pound the rock, do the thing over and over every day, build those habits. And as Fred Van Vliet said, when those habits are established, that's what you can lean back on when things get dire late in games. And I think, you know, as much as we saw, I think, a predictable 
you know, there is a predictable element to the team in some regards. You know, once they established their starting five, you know, that was given tons of room to go and play together and get reps. And hey, lo and behold, the reps paid off. And that starting five was one of the best in the NBA after the trade deadline. But the rest of the roster just lacked any sort of cohesion. You talk as well about the offense. And I think the identity thing from Ner- from Fred here is interesting because he talked about not actually minding the way they play de- defense and thinking, hey, like this could actually be a thing that works for us. And truth be told, they were the number six defense in the league after Yak Pertle arrived. There might be something to that, that with Yak there, with the length they have, they can get away playing with a more aggressive style. Them forcing turnovers is a real thing. It's a real advantage for them. And if you have more insurance in place for when things do go awry when you're super aggressive, uh, you know, maybe that's the thing that can work over the course of a full season in the way that it just was not going to work without an actual center there as your back line of rim protection. So I think it's the offense, really, that Fred Van Vliet is kind of pointing to when it comes to identity. And there's all this conversation about playing free and, you know, the read and react offense that Nick Nurse has operated with. I wonder if maybe a little bit more structure, a little bit more in terms of designed stuff. We saw tons of designed stuff with that starting five down the stretch as an example of like, hey, this can work if you're kind of building stuff in. It really is about layering. And I think the thing that I would love to see next season is just like you come in with a set game plan. You kind of know who your rotation is going to be. Obviously, injury and stuff like that is going to throw a wrench into your plans, but having some sort of dependability you can set your watch to what's going to happen during a game for the raptors i think that's valuable this was dwayne casey's biggest thing 10 guys knew we're playing tonight at some point we're getting in we're going to play with these certain guys and it's going to work well because we know it can work out because we've done it a million times before it's habits it's building like it's not it sounds so ethereal it sounds so reductive to be like you gotta build winning habits but like people I think it's underrated the sort of human nature element of all of this. And think about with your own job. If you go to your job not really knowing what your job is going to be that day, that's stressful. That puts a lot on your plate. That's a distraction that makes you have like a certain mindset going in. Whereas if you know, like, all right, there's no surprises when I go to work today. I know what I'm doing. Your work day is going to be that much better. And so I think... It's it applies to basketball as well. As much as these guys are kind of on these pedestals, making millions of dollars, and are kind of uh, in their own little stratosphere, in their own little world, like they're human beings, and their their brains are wired the same way a lot of ours are. Our ours are blah. Um, and I think having just a dependable sort of you know a set idea of what you're doing every day, and this again it goes back to the offense thing. Free flowing is great. The Raptors do have some guys who can make really good decisions within a free-flowing offense, but I do wonder if maybe a little bit more scripted stuff, a little bit more in terms of like base set plays, you know, building things around the stuff that you know works well, the, the stuff that amplifies the strengths of your players, that I think is where the sort of next step is going to be. And I guess this is the Nick Nurse question, right? Can Nick Nurse, I mean, A, does he want to be around? I don't really think that's the case. It seemed, you know, he kind of walked back a little bit of what he said yesterday, but... Um, and I think seemed a little bit less sort of, ink, you know, given the inklings that he's going to be out of the door in a couple weeks time. But I still would bet that at some point in the next couple of weeks, we get word that Nick Nurse and the Raptors are mutually parting ways, as Josh Lewinberg kind of noted in his piece today, breaking down or yesterday, breaking down media day and the, and the responses that came in. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a very real chance that the Nick Nurse thing is done and who the next coach is. Yeah, you want to have X's and O's acumen. Yeah, you want to have, you know, all of these different qualities that coaches have. But 
the biggest thing is like uh, to me at least i think this season has kind of taught me that chemistry cohesion kind of knowing and being on the same you know all pulling the same direction paddling all at once all of that stuff like in the nba where every team is pretty talented the stuff that is going to put you over the top is the sort of unknown it's the everyone's got the same stats everybody knows that threes are good rim shots are good long twos are bad and everyone's got the talent to execute a lot of teams do at least outside of maybe four or five it's going to come down to the cohesion it's going to come down to continuity and it's interesting that a team that came into the season with like I think the highest continuity rating of any team per John Schumann's NBA.com stat, um, like like ninety four percent of their minutes were returning. Um, it's wild how little that seemed to matter because they could just never get it back to sort of the they could never incorporate guys all at the same time. Injury obviously early on to Pascal Siakam threw a huge wrench into the plans, but. I think, you know, Fred's comments here about the identity and the need for some sort of set idea of what's going to happen every day, they carry a lot of weight to me. And I think that is going to be ultimately, if it does come down to Nick Nurse having to sell himself to the front office to say, hey, like, I, I'm, I still, I'm still the guy for this job if it does come to that, which I don't think it will. But if it does, um, you know, I think the big sell job is how do you establish that sort of culture from day one? How do you set up those habits? How do you build over the course of 82 games? to become something better than you were by the time it all, it all comes and wraps up in April, um, and hopefully later than that. It's a, it's a fascinating one, but I think the identity thing from Fred is really fascinating. We're going to come back on the other side and get to Scotty Barnes. Fred also had some comments about Scotty I want to get to. Look, I'm just going to play Fred quotes because Fred quotes are the best quotes to talk about on the show, so we'll get to those coming up. We'll also talk about Pascal Siakam and his comments about love in Toronto, wanting to be here, all that good stuff in just a sec. Before we do that, however... Gotta tell you, better friends over at Nissan, who, as usual, are bringing you the Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Week. And look, <laughs> it's hard to come up with an electric player of a week in a week that included a couple of eh, nothing games over the weekend to close the season and then an embarrassing play-in loss. But we'll go Pascal Siakam here. Yes, he missed the free throws at the end of the game, but he embodies all the stuff that the 2023 all-electric Nissan Aria embodies, you know, that that, that play-in performance, 32-9-6, and six, really impressive. He was on. He was full, brilliantly fierce and electric and fiercely elegant while he was out there carving up the bulls. It's a damn shame those free throws did not match. But otherwise, Pascal Siakam's game very much lived up to all of the qualities that you'll find in the 2023 Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rolling on here with your end of week episode, uh, kind of putting a bow on the end of the season we'll get into season review next week we'll be talking uh player reviews digging into you know player by player what was good what was bad what's the future for all these guys the way we kind of close out every season draft stuff is on the on tap soon as well also a reminder 
Ranking every Raptor. My old column at Raptors HQ was going video, baby, pivoting to video. And I'll be counting down every player in Toronto Raptors history by their quality and contributions to the franchise. And uh, I look forward to it. It's going to be a fun little video, video series that will live on YouTube. Uh, so please uh, subscribe, get the playlist notifications, all that stuff when new episodes go up. I'm uh, very, very excited to bring Ranking Every Raptor back. So much Lamarck Baker talk in the next week or two here as I figure out the, the whole... The exact rollout schedule but uh keep uh, an eye out that's coming anyway let's get to scotty barnes shall we so scotty barnes uh spoke uh, as did all the players of note uh, <laughs> after the season ended yesterday and i think the thing that really stood out to me was his talk about conditioning and his need to really ratchet that part of his game up this offseason um you know i think it's uh Conditioning is important, as it turns out. And for a guy like Scotty Barnes, who, when he can take over and kind of go full bore, we know just how bloody dominant he can be. He can take over a game on a whim just because that's what Scotty Barnes can do. He's physically imposing. He's got that touch around the basket. He can read the game like anybody. Like, he's a really, really talented dude. But my hang-up with sort of the idea of just giving him the keys to the team and having him run with them and sort of turning it all over to make this a Scotty-centric operation has been the waxing and waning effort. And maybe we got a clue as to why that was and why the fourth-quarter outbursts were not extended to first, second, and third-quarter outbursts all the time this season. And conditioning would make a lot of sense. Scotty exerts a lot of energy when he's doing his thing. And... You know, I think like anybody, when you're young, when you're kind of getting into the league, conditioning is a thing you got to sort of figure out. It's it's tough, right? You come out of pandemic years, which Scotty Barnes did, you know, was in school during time where they're like shortened college seasons, all that stuff. He's played a lot of basketball now in the last couple of seasons. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not surprised that conditioning is one of the things he's kind of pinpointed as a thing to work on here. And I do wonder, like, when that does kind of ratchet up, if he is successfully able to kind of transform himself this offseason into a guy who can go harder for longer stretches of games, does that unlock the Scotty Barnes version of the Toronto Raptors, right? Like, I, I think we've talked all season long about the... Uh, sort of tension at, between the Fred and Pascal believers who think, hey, these still are the best offensive players on the team. Things should be flowing through them versus those who want to see the keys handed over to Scotty Barnes. And I think we kind of got the, the the exact reason why that the, the transition to Scotty did not fully happen this season. And um, let's get into some of the Fred clips, shall we? Let's uh, talk. I got two clips here from Fred talking about Scotty Barnes. We'll play the first one um, as he digs into just sort of the the freak that Scotty Barnes really is. Let's uh, hear it from Fred VanVleet. Uh, I mean, just getting a lab. That's it. That's that's the only thing I ever only ever tell him. Scotty's gonna be as, as good as he wants to be, as good as you know whatever he wants to be as a player. I think he can do it. I don't think there's anything that he can't do on the court. Um, but just be a gym rat and and just stay in the gym. And I think that'll speed up you know the process uh and um he's doing that you know he's learning like what his routine is going to be and you know the moves that he wants he's unlocking new moves on random days like he's just trying stuff and it works so uh yeah just super gym rat you know continue to put the work in he's got a great attitude um He's a, he's a baller, man. He's, he's the sky's the limit for him. So um, I think, you know, obviously finding, you know, what place that is for him in terms of, you know, who he, who he is and what he is, we're still, you know, exploring that. But um, for any young guy, you know, especially at that age, like you just got to be in the gym all day, every day, and, and, you know, you'll see the results. 
Abbott's thing again, man. <laughs> like, it's, I feel like such an old fart. I feel like a dude calling into the radio with my, like, aggrieved, grumpy old man takes. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> the more I have spent watching the NBA, the more time I look at it, the more I sort of think about the teams that are successful to the teams that are not. Like, is kind of rudimentary, but like the teams that try the hardest and prepare the most are probably going to be the ones that uh, benefit in the long run, right? And I think with Scotty Barnes, like Fred said, like all the talent's there. He can do whatever he wants on a whim. And it's really more about uh, sort of refinement and not to mention the conditioning side of things, right? And kind of bringing up the levels at, at all times. And I think this dovetails nicely into the comments Fred had about Scotty Barnes as a potential point guard. I know this has been a massive source of consternation with the Raptors this year. Oh my goodness, the Raptors have to have, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes be the point guard. Get Fred VanVleet out of here. Scotty's the point guard. Well, Scotty's not ready to be a full-time point guard. There's a lot of nuance that goes into playing point guard in the NBA. And who better to learn the nuance from than a guy like Fred, who is not as naturally gifted as Scotty Barnes, who's had to learn the craft of being a point guard on the fly and learned it from Kyle Lowry, one of the best to do it in the last 25 years. That feels like a pretty good thing. Here's Fred on uh, the, the the concept of Scotty kind of figuring out the ins and outs of playing point guard, how Fred's been involved in that. And again, some more thoughts on the need for a, a regimen and, and, and just like a, a, a set, like I think, set of expectations for who does what on the team. Here's Fred again on Scotty. Yeah, I would love to play with another point guard. <laughs> I would love it. You know what I mean? They work well when me and Kyle did it. Not that, you know, uh, they's that, that anywhere the same player, um, same type of player. But uh, yeah, again, we explored a lot of that this year. You know, there was a lot of times where he was the primary ball handler. Um, it kind of went back and forth. Um, again, I think just I try to share with him as much as I can in my experiences. So one thing that I saw him take a lot of growth in this year was like the value of a possession. His turnovers went way down, organizing manipulating ahead of the time. He's such a freak that he can just make a play in the moment um, naturally. But there's a, a lot of ways where you can set that up way ahead of time. You know what I mean? So he, he took a, a lot of steps in the right direction this year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's that's something that, you know, we have to figure out as a group, right? It's like what are is everybody's role and what is it going to be? And it sounds silly to say that, you know what I mean? But a lot of, like, this regiment that we need, you know, is kind of that would help things, you know, if we knew every everything that was going to come, you know. Um. So, yeah, I mean, more there from Fred on. And by the way, the question was from Will Lou asking about the idea of Scotty being a point guard. And I think it cut out a little bit that they're at the start of the clip. But <laughs> Fred says, yeah, it'd be great to play with another point guard. It worked pretty well with me and Kyle. And I think with a 6'9 point guard next to him, it might even be more exciting. But, um yeah, I think Fred wants structure, baby. Fred seems like a dude who loves himself a spreadsheet and uh, like a schedule. He's got a calendar with all the stuff he's doing every day. And look, I think that is a perfectly viable thing to look at as a thing that could be a way to improve the team without external hires uh, of players and personnel, right? Like I think um, kind of coming in with just like a different frame of mind. And then on the, the Scotty being a point guard stuff, like... Yeah, I would love for Scotty Barnes to walk into next season to be the go-to point guard. What a great thing that would be for the Raptors if he could be that. But this is a position that takes a long time to learn, 
let alone for a guy who is 6'9", can't really shoot. Like, it's, there's a learning curve there. And I think with Scotty Barnes, the thing that's really got to be remembered here is the dude's 21. And as much as there have been some stars who have come into the league lately and kind of taken over immediately, John Morant, Luka Doncic come to mind, there are plenty of other guys for whom it takes a long time. Think about Jason Tatum. Like, Jason Tatum, yes, he had, like, a meteoric start to his career. I think he made the conference finals as a rookie on that uh, busted Celtics team. But I think uh, I, like, yeah, I think Kyrie was on it. Or that was the year before Kyrie, the Isaiah Thomas year, whatever it was. Like, uh, the, the, like the, 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 there was some stuff going on in Boston. Anyway, Jason Tatum's taking a long time to evolve into the player he's become. He was not much of a playmaker. He was pretty inefficient by, like, first first guy standards, all of that. Um, these things take time and oftentimes you're not going to see these guys really rounded a full complete form until year five, six, seven, eight, like that. This is what happens. This is the growing curve and the reality of the NBA. It's nice if you can walk in and be amazing and be a championship contending type player from the jump, but like that's reserved for a very select few players. And a lot of it is growth and development. And I think with Scotty, you combine another summer of sort of figuring out the ins and outs of the point guard position using the intel that Fred passes along combined with this sort of preternatural ability. Like, I, I think it's there. Obviously, the shooting has to come along for him to be a true threat from the point guard spot in the sort of vein of a lot of point guards, and the most effective ones are ones who can pull up off the bounce. Um, but obviously, Scotty's 6'9 stature and the way he can kind of bully himself to the rim is a counter that a lot of 6'1 point guards who can shoot don't have. So I, I just think it's refinement, it's time, it, it's patience, and this is why... I'm fully on board with keeping Pascal and Fred as the sort of two guys to steward this team until Scotty Barnes is ready to take the reins. It could be as early as next year, and then all of a sudden you have a beautiful, ready-made set of co-captains to go in with Scotty Barnes if he's going to become your best player or the guy who things flow through the most. Like, Scotty and Pascal can be solutions in that. And I think, uh, sorry, Fred and Pascal can be that. And I think it's just patience, right? Like, no one likes patience in the NBA, but... If you wait long enough, things usually will sort of tick up when it comes to player development and this type of stuff. And so I thought it was interesting from Fred. And again, going back to the sort of habits and you know regimen and role thing, I think that's a big thing. And that was the thing they struggled with this year, right? Was what's everybody's role? Is Scotty Barnes taking the thing over? Like, I think that was a miss from the start of the season. It should have been established. Scotty, here's what your job is on the team. Here's how it's going to work, and here's how it's all going to flow. And it kind of never felt like it was established. Who was the top priority? Who was the head of the snake? All that stuff. Like, that stuff matters over the course of 82 games um, when you're playing every night, and there's not a lot of time to prepare. Like, if you do the preparation beforehand, each night becomes a lot easier. We're going to come back on the other side, talk about Pascal Siakam, who... um, Love the dude. We're going to talk about him in just a second here. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you got to try the best tasting protein bar in the game. It's Built, baby. You got to try it. If you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choices, I'm really trying. I've been exercising the last couple weeks. I've been biking in this nice weather, trying to eat less like a goblin. And Built Bars are a great way for me to scratch that itch when I really want something nasty. It's midnight. I'm snacky. Uh, Built Bar, and get that peanut butter brownie or whatever other flavor you might want, and that can be the thing that fills the hole at the time where I am looking to be at my worst when it comes to my eating habits. I'm not sure how they do it, but they managed to pull it off, making it taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Love them macros, right? 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, whopping 17 grams of protein in your average bar. That what you're talking about baby now you can also go to walmart today and get yourself a box if you're in the states you can also go to sam's club but we don't got that up here no more 
Either way, uh, one way or another, Walmart or Sam's Club, the Walton family has you covered with Built Bars. Uh, you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Just go to the pharmacy section at Walmart today and pick them up. You can also go to Built.com and peruse all the different flavors. Built, go check them out. They are the best-tasting protein bar around. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's round up the show here with some quick thoughts on Pascal Siakam, who spoke yesterday uh, as well. And for me, I just, I'm ready for a lot of stuff this offseason. I could see all sorts of things going down, front office, coaching, player personnel. Like, I think anything should probably be on the table for this team, except I don't think you can move on from Pascal Siakam. Not right now. And yesterday he spoke... Um, he was asked about the possibility of an extension this offseason. Of course, the extension is looming. He'll be extension eligible. Um, if he doesn't make All-NBA, it'll be a lesser max as well. And it doesn't seem, just based on the sort of reading other people's All-NBA, some voters, some not, doesn't seem like Pascal's popping up on a lot of them. I think his case is actually kind of all right compared to what I thought it might be. I think the record will probably be what d- does him in there. But um, either way... You know, that the extension this summer is going to be a thing. And he was asked about it, and he said, quote, it's something we haven't really talked about. I don't know what's going to happen. This is the most I've been anywhere outside of Cameroon. It feels like home. I would love to be in Toronto long term. Um, it's part of who I am as a person. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not often you get a two-time All-NBA player, two-time All-Star just declaring that they want to be in your city and be on your team with a year left on his contract, by the way, for a lot of other stars, you get to this one year out window and things get pretty dicey. Things get hairy. It's unsure. Like, is this guy going to be around? Everything to me points towards Pascal being back, probably getting paid this off season. Maybe there's some sort of trade down the line, but I think you'd sign him now and figure that part out later. And I just don't think you can move on easily from, Guys who are as good as Pascal, and again, I know, I've said it a million times, the everyday listeners will know, I've said it a million times, Pascal is not a best player on a championship team type of player. That's fine. Just because you don't have the number one guy just doesn't mean you just ship off the number two guy because the number one's not there yet. As it turns out, they have Scotty Barnes on the roster, and if you believe Scotty Barnes can be the type of player that everybody around Scotty Barnes seems to think he can be, then you should be all right with waiting this out for Pascal and Scotty to have Pascal's late prime and Scotty's early prime overlap. I still think that's the best and fastest way for this Raptors team to get to contention, barring some superstar trade falling from the sky into their laps. That is their best path here. And look, man, there are 186 players in the history of the NBA who have multiple All-NBA selections. You have one of them in his prime, saying he loves your city, saying he wants to be here, who you have the option to give a whole bunch of money to this offseason to keep around, you don't just move on from guys like that because you had a 500 season. You just don't. And I think it's bad business to just look at the first blush of, how do we fix this? Oh, let's trade the good players. 
I don't know about that. I would much rather try to build from where you are using the good players you have, complimenting them better, developing young players, and banking on Scotty Barnes. If Scotty Barnes were not on the roster, I'd maybe have a different view on this. There would be a clear ceiling on what this team can be. But guess what? Scotty Barnes is on the roster, so I don't feel that way. And it might take time. It might take two, three more years. But guess what? Pascal Siakam is not going to get any worse in the next couple years. Yes, he's going to be on the wrong side of 30, quote unquote, coming up. But like, he's not the type of player, in my estimation, who's going to have a severe aging curve. He's athletic. He's been durable over his career. He's had a couple injuries here and there, but nothing recurring, nothing chronic. And his whole game is built on craft and touch. And as he becomes, I think he's going to become a better three-point shooter. We saw the flashes this year. He's been good from the corners. He was good on catch and shoots after the yak trade. I feel like that's still coming for his game. Um, and I think, sorry, my Siri just talked to me in my phone, in my ears while I was recording and scared the hell out of me. Regardless, I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I think... Pascal is not the type of guy you just move on from for futures. You set yourself at back years by moving on from a player like that for futures. And I, I, it just also looking at the landscape of trades, I don't see a really viable pathway to one. I know people are throwing out Portland and all of that. Like, what do you want from the Portland Trailblazers poo-poo platter of players? Yes, Shaden Sharp is nice. Great. Uh, like, I don't want Yusuf Nurkic. They have no use for him. Uh, and Fernie Simons, great player. You want to talk about defensive issues? Like, hello, and Fernie Simons is a walking defensive issue. Pascal Siakam is excellent, and those who can't recognize that or understand it, I feel bad for you because, like, you're missing out on something pretty awesome. It's very rare in the history of this franchise. Don't forget, this is still the Toronto Raptors. This is not the Miami Heat, as much as we would love it to be, as much as it felt like for a hot second it was on the way to becoming a destination market around the end of the decade last year. Giannis, all that stuff was sitting there and really exciting and tantalizing. Guess what? This is the Toronto Raptors. You're not always going to be able to choose who your best players are. Sometimes the NBA gods just kind of determine that based on the draft and the lottery and all of that. But when you have a dude like Pascal Siakam, the move is not to move on from him just because he's not the best player on a championship team. It's an unrealistic thing to find that player. There are like 15 of those guys in the whole history, of like the whole last 25 years of the league that you can say, hey, like that's a dude who could lead a team to a finals. Fewer have actually done it despite having the capacity to do it. And so you move on from Pascal Siakam at your own risk, man. You set yourself back years. You risk alienating Scotty Barnes if the team is worse because you move on from him. Pascal Siakam's the type of guy who should be a lifer with the Raptors, and I think that is a perfectly fine thing if he is around through the remainder of his prime. He's a very good basketball player. Normalize it being cool and all right to have flawed but amazing basketball players on your team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'll leave that there for now. There'll be plenty of off-season ruminating to do. We're going to get into player reviews next week as well. Well, once the awards drop as well in, in completion, we'll be able to do the uh, recap of the over-unders. And we have like 40 people waiting to see if they're going to win tickets to a game next year if they're over-unders. Uh, we're the best over-unders picks of all of the people who submitted them at the start of the season. I got to get my wife, who was a teacher, starting to grade because I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> either way, thank you so much for tuning in. 
We'll be back again on Monday to begin player review season. Uh, Vivek Jacob will be along. We'll get Katie, Jamar, all that good stuff. And uh, until then, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs. Playoffs start Monday or Tuesday for the Leafs. Yeah, Tuesday for for the Leafs. Go check out Locked on Leafs. Mike and Dave teeing up the series with the Lightning. Uh, And uh, thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day. And thanks again to the everydayers. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Thanks for hanging. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.